Welcome to Run This World. My name is Nicole DeBoom. I'm a former pro athlete turned entrepreneur. Each week, I'll bring you insights and inspiration from some of the world's greatest visionaries who will help you run your world in ways that you didn't even realize were possible. All in the framework of the amount of time it takes for the average person to run a 5K. That's 36 minutes and 38 seconds, give or take a mile. We often go long, so get ready. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's get this workout started. Hey everyone, I hope you're having a great day. I am actually in a groove right now. See, I'm trying to do a better job of listening to my body and my mind as it tells me what is the most productive way to do each thing I do. Because as you know, I have a lot of things that I do. Skirt sports, my nonprofit running start. I'm doing a bunch of speaking. I'm trying to work out. I have the Run This World podcast, which you know and love. And of course, my family and friends. And different priorities bubble to the top at different times. And right now, I am having so much fun with skirt sports that I literally wake up thinking about it and want to jump right in. But I always have to be careful because being that consumed by anything can hurt the other things in my life. It's, it's a cool thing to be consumed, but it's a dangerous thing. So yesterday I was squeezing in some work on Saturday afternoon and my little peanut, Wilder, was like, Mommy, will you interview me? So I just looked at her, I go, yes. So I propped her up on a chair and I took a little break to interview her. And she sat across from me and literally had to touch every single thing on my desk while she was sort of speaking into the microphone, but it was, it was so cute. The really cool thing though, is that it played right into today's episode. I just, I couldn't believe what I was hearing from that sweet little girl. So I want to play a little snippet for you because as I said, it just flows. Here goes. Good morning. I'm here today with one of my favorite people in the world, Wilder DeBoom. Hello, Wilder. Hello. Are you happy to be on the show? Yes. What do you want to talk about today? The world. Good job. And I also want to take care of the world. That is really true. I want to pick up trash. I want to help animals. And I want to go to doctors. Go to doctors? Good. How else do you help the world? Uh, I don't know. I don't either, but we're going to have to learn, aren't we? Yes. Awesome. Love you, baby girl. Love you. Okay, seriously, how amazing is this little girl? I just want to hear her voice all day. Well, wait, I do hear it all day. And sometimes it's going, mom, 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 which is not nearly as fun as what you just heard. But... Let's roll on here because today you will meet Raina Bryan, a rising star in a very dirty world. She made her name by founding Recycling is Sexy. It's an organization that's building an army of superhero consumers, empowered, informed, and vocal. See, she has a passion for helping us keep this beautiful world in one piece as all signs point to the fact that we are polluting ourselves out of it. Raina sees the world in a different way than many of us and is trying to stop the madness through her example. 
through her sustainability work and through creating the army of superheroes that I just mentioned so that we can all make informed decisions as we go about our daily lives. This is a deep one. So I still think you're really going to enjoy it because sometimes you just got to go deep. Um, But before we get started, can you just push pause for one minute? But wait a sec before you push pause, pull up your podcast icon on your phone uh, hit search podcasts and then enter Run This World with Nicole DeBoom. On the search page, you can write a review. So please take a moment to do so. If you already have the podcast saved and you pull it up, it won't give you the option to write a review, which is why you have to search Run This World with Nicole DeBoom and write a quick review. We need reviews so our rankings improve and I can keep doing this awesome show. It would mean the world to me. Let's get those Reviews up there. We need to get to at least 100 in the next couple of weeks. Okay, now back to the show. All right, Raina, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on and chatting with me today. It's my pleasure. You know, I actually have to start with a very funny story. And you and I got to know each other over the past year through a very cool program we did with Aaron Weed. Um, It's a kind Mm -hmm. of a speaking 101 kind of thing and we were trying to get comfortable with our message and up on the stage and all that and so I came to know you as like an angel and then you did this talk and you're hitting on these issues that are just so incredibly important which we're going to dig into today and you went on stage and you're wearing this white dress and I was like oh my god she really is an angel And so the people listening here, we will have a video on NicoleDeBoom.com on Raina's episode page that shows you the talk I'm talking about. However, the really funny part of this story is that I hadn't seen you in a while, maybe, you know, a few months, six months, something like that. And it was like maybe last weekend and you don't live in Boulder anymore full time, but I was in the Alfalfa's parking lot with my husband and my kid, I was kind of pretty much just starting my day, getting ready to go for a workout, looking like you look when you wake up and get ready for a workout. My kid was sort of fussing in the back, like ready to get on with things. And my husband was doing like a Craigslist drug deal in the parking lot where he was selling a pair of skis and it's like this guy was giving him this wad of cash and my kid was sort of screaming and I walk out of the car and then across the parking lot I hear, Nicole! And I look over and you were like this angel fluttering towards me. Um, And of course it turns out you were dressed to the nines because you had some kind of wedding activity that day, not your wedding. But it was just like typical. Here comes my angel bringing me back to earth. Exactly what I needed that morning. Oh, well, it was so good to see you, and I love how the universe works like that, but don't get me wrong, I I spend the majority of time in my stretchy pants, like, going from, like, yoga to to the next activity, so I'm rarely dressed up, but when I do, gotta look good. Well, you definitely clean up well. You know, you are in a business that is so dirty. And that's what is, we are really going to dig into this today. I'm calling you the angel of sustainability. Do you like that? Oh, I'm into that. That'll do. Yeah, we're going to create a superhero for you. Um, And what's really, really fun about this is I think it will be cool to share your path 
you know, we'll dig into why you got into the world of recycling and then to sustainable packaging and even zero waste and all this cool stuff you're doing in the world. We will educate people along the way today, but I want to know where you started. Yeah, sure. It all started, uh, you know, as a young girl, I was just hypersensitive to to the world, to pollution, kind of seeing plastics in the ocean and just waste along the side of the road. And I started being able to, in my mind's eye, see how that these small pieces of trash in my micro-reality expand out to this mass problem. And when I was younger, I, I didn't know how to solve the problem, and I felt very powerless. I felt like I you know, we were all screwed. And so I decided to go to school for engineering. And it's been my life's goal to figure out the inner workings of the system so that we can, we can fix it from the inside. And so I studied mechanical engineering. And I also got a master's in engineering management so that I could also speak in business terms, not just technical terms. And I've worked across several industries, all with the goal of really starting to understand materials, supply chain, consumer demand, you know, why why we're making things the way we're making these things, you know, who drives that design point, what, why are consumers making the decisions that they're making, and, and, in, and finally, you know, where does this material go when we're done with it, and, um, you know, the question I have in my mind, I uh, keep in the, the forefront of my mind today is, you know, why don't we design things with the end of life in mind? It's, it's it's a really easy thing to do. You know, we could be designing products out of material that have high value um, after their use. And so uh, my question is, why why don't we do that? And how can we do that? So you're on this journey and this path. And as a little girl, you're hypersensitive, you said, to pollution. Where did you grow up? What was your family like? And how did you even notice this? Was there a certain point in time where it just clicked? Yeah, that's a good question. I've all, I've, so I'm from Golden, Colorado, just a little south of Boulder. And I lived along the South Table Mountain and I would go running um, every day. And I had a very deep connection. I still do have a very deep connection with that land and with the earth in general. And I, um, my mom is as a Methodist. We were raised a bit with that background, but as I went through high school, I moved, you know, more towards like Buddhism or these different spiritual modalities, and found uh, my own uh, combination to where I, I just am very in tune with with life and and protecting life. It's something that I'm very interested in and something that drives me. So. In terms of, I, I wouldn't say my parents are necessarily environmentalists. We would camp, and we would. We were all definitely lovers of nature, but it's not like they had. Um, they were advocating environmentalism. I, as I was growing up, but we we were definitely lovers of the earth. And I just, I just think when you when you love life and you're interested in protecting all living things, you you start to notice things that we're doing as a human species and 
you want to fix them. And I know that a lot of people are sensitive to this, but uh, I know I can do it. I know other people that have done this as we kind of mute, mute that out and focus on the other struggles of the day, like how we're going to pay our bills or the drama between, you know, a loved one. Um, and so those, the feelings that we're feeling in terms of our, what the earth needs and what life needs uh, sometimes get muted out. So I've practiced keeping my, my ear to that. Tell me a little more about Buddhism. Well, that's a journey within itself. I know it is, but you know, it, it something about it called to you and connected with you and enhanced this connection yeah. with the earth and life. Yeah, so Buddhism was definitely one of the um, doorways to a deeper spiritual practice. I, I read this book when I was in high school. I think it was called uh, Stumbling Towards Enlightenment. And it's this beautiful book. This woman who is this everyday uh, professional woman, you know, she's working away. She's very successful in business. But one day her eye starts twitching and she breaks up with her boyfriend. And she has this little thing where she, so she goes on this journey and this journey to where she finds meditation and she she talks about the principles behind Buddhism and they really resonated with me. So I, I started doing a bit of meditation and mainly just trying to be hyper aware of my impact and also my Dharma to being aware of like, what am I called to do? And, and also not, not trying to negatively affect anything or anyone around me. Yeah, and that's a, I think that's a really key to you, to not negatively affect mm -hmm. people and things around you. Uh, what would you say, actually a little side note here, what is the most important thing you do every day? You know, if you, okay, the most important thing that I do every day is I watch my mind and how I'm thinking, because I'm up to big things, and do it in, in that, you know, I, I have little fears come up, or these things can come up in terms of um, negative thought process. So I'm really careful about watching what I'm thinking so that I don't pull myself down or drag myself down. So the most important thing I do is keep keep uh, an eye on what I'm thinking. And so if I'm getting into this thought process like, oh, that's too hard, I can't do that, I, tr I stop and I'm like, no, 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 I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. And I just say that, even if I don't believe it at first or not, and I just charge through. So that's, for me, the most important thing that you can do every single day is um, be diligent about watching your thoughts and turning them around so that you can get your stuff done and get do it how you want to do. And so your trick to turn them around is sort of a mantra? Yeah, uh, I definitely, I love affirmations. I mean, that's something that is very, a powerful thing uh, what, what I, what how I see it is, you know, our brains, we have created patterns and habits in our brains, and the more we think something, and a lot of times we're thinking on the back burner, we're not even aware of our thoughts, and so subconsciously we're thinking these things over and over again, and it's creating these iced over ski tracks. Have you ever been skiing and get stuck in ice? Frozen ski tracks. It's like I, terrifying. Well, and I have not because I don't ski yet. I got to learn, but I know what? many people listening ski. No. I. You know what? I was always what? afraid of getting injured. It's time. 
That's going to be one of my things in this decade. Yeah, we'll wrap you in bubble wrap. (laughs) You'll be fine. Thank you. (laughs) We'll stay away from the ice cubes. I have a funny story. So I remember as a young girl, we would, we skied as a family and my sister and I were in the trees and we got onto this track and there was literally two, two lanes, one for each ski. And it starts barreling down towards the condos away from the resort and she's gaining on me and there's no way of stopping and I literally had to like jump and roll and completely yard sale all my equipment and she did the same and that's how I think about the way our brains are working um mainly we're going down these these tracks of thought that um, are iced over and they're taking us there so what what affirmations allow us to do is is break out of that iced over track, break out of that habit, and create a new one, and create a new path that is going in a different direction. And you have to keep putting energy behind that new path so that it soon becomes its own iced path, but in the direction that you want to go. Wow, I love this visual. I'm very visual too. And I love the idea of watching your thoughts and watching your mind. You don't think about Mm -hmm. it that way. And actually, this is a really good segue into maybe one of the first really big ventures you've undertaken, which is your organization, Recycling is Sexy. And and the, the point is like, for me, I have what I know about recycling, we recycle our recycling bin is full. I'm sure Mm -hmm. we don't do the best job with it. I, you know, I think we can all maybe get more education on what it really means to recycle. But I have literally watched people. This happens at the airport all the time. There's a recycling bin right next to a garbage can. They have an item that is clearly recyclable, like a glass Mm -hmm. bottle or Mm -hmm. a can. And they walk up and put it in the garbage. And I don't understand why. And so is it that they're iced over ruts or what's going on here? Why are people not able to think in a way that will help them sustain our earth better? Well, yeah, that, these are great questions and there's multiple layers. And the bottom line is it, it's a, a lack of understanding on many, many accounts. So people don't understand you know, how much energy it takes to make a brand new aluminum can versus recycled aluminum can. People don't understand how much CO2 is produced or how much water is used. So there's an information gap on from that side of the thing. There's also a major information gap in terms of how products are made. So what I've been, what my goal with recycling is sexy is to shift consumer culture from wasteful to wise. What we want to do is be able to help consumers understand that there are many materials put out into the marketplace that have little to no value on a secondary market. So there's an issue where products aren't designed in a way that the material can be easily collected. And even if it is easily collected, that it it has a, somebody actually wants to buy it and, and put it in to a new product. So that's one of the fundamental issues. So even though, you know, certain things are recyclable, it's not necessarily the best material for that. So the, the second piece of that is, you know, we, we don't have a culture where, where recycling is normalized. And to add to that, our recycling system is 
fundamentally flawed in many ways. So my goal with Recycling is Sexy is to shift our consciousness so that we actually do recycling right. Because right now we're not doing it right. Okay, but what is that? Yeah, tell us what's right. Yeah, so what's right is, you know, we're, we're putting a bunch of materials into our system and just letting, and it's a privatized system. So, you know, everybody has different sorting equipment and different technologies and we're basically flooding them with a fire hose of materials with the majority of them don't have any value on a secondary market. And we're saying sort these and do your best to sell them. And we're making it, we're pushing it onto the collection and sorting world and making it their problem. Instead of thinking, hey, maybe we should only be creating things out of materials that are easily sortable and are high value. And I, when I say high value, it means that literally there's a company on the other side that wants to buy that material to make new things. Got it. So, so it's really important for us consumers, we, we've been siloed. The whole system's been siloed where we just, you, the, the producers, the people that are making the products, they're, they, they're not taking into consideration. This is like for the vast majority of them. They're not taking into consideration the end of life. And so when, during the design process, they're, they, they're specking out materials that are, you know, the cheapest and they're sourcing it from whoever. They're not concerned if the additives are going to cause an issue for the value of that material downstream. They don't have a lot of transparency in their own supply chains. And so from, from the point of design, the system is already breaking down. The recycling system is breaking down. Then we have an issue of collection on a consumer base. There's an issue where we it's easier to find a trash can than it is to find a recycling bin. If you find a recycling bin, you know, you're lucky and and so and then there's confusion about what goes in there. That's a whole other issue. But so now as consumers we're not educated. We have all these million different types of materials coming through our hands and we're just like kind of guesstimating, like, is this recycled? I'm not sure. And so we put it where we think we should or we don't. So there's an issue with collection of the material. That's another flaw in the system. And on the back end, there's an issue where we are using a system called a single stream system here in the U.S. Where uh, basically you can put your paper, plastic, metal, and glass all in the same container. And the, the sorters pick it up and they put it through some sorting technology that is very rough. It's not like rocket science as science. And they do their best to sort out the material on the back end, which is very inefficient. And then you're left with the final issue is you're looking at the end markets of those materials. And that's really the driving factor because we have a privatized material management system. If the price points of the end material are too low to justify the economic the economics are too low to justify the operation of the collection and sorting then you have a problem and that's that happens all the time today where um like new resins coming right out of of the oil and gas lines are cheaper than recycled resins I mean, I could go on and on. I don't want to confuse everybody. No, this is actually, so I had no idea. 
All I knew was you put the things in the recycling container if they have a number on the bottom and a little triangle. And then you put paper in there. And I'm sure we're putting all kinds of the wrong paper and whatever. Um, and glass, you put that in and cans. and But mm-hmm. I didn't... So A, I think people are probably putting too much in and the wrong things. But B, I had no idea where it went next. I guess I just thought it magically went to like go back or, or get melted down or shredded into whatever and then rebuilt. Uh-huh. And I had no idea that these items were then sell, sold on the back end. And that is so interesting to me. Yeah, no, that's that's part of the awareness that I'm very excited to, to be bringing to consumers, bringing to our, us fellow humans is the awareness of the secondary market and the importance of that. And I really think that everyone should go visit their local MRF. And I know Boulder has an amazing, amazing MRF, which is called a material recycling facility. I think it's... Um, the MRF. I like the MRF. MRF. Yeah. yeah. Eco. I totally oh, eco products. E- eco, yeah. eco cycle. Mm-hmm. No, eco cycle. Yep. Oh, I love them. Yes. So everybody should go check that out. I think kids at a young age should see that. Adults should see that. What it what it takes to actually separate this. And if you, as you think about it, and as you watch the system, you'd realize that man, it would be a whole lot more efficient if we would separate at our houses, like at least the papers from the plastics and the metals. It would it would save a lot of energy up uh, downstream. But that's a whole other conversation. Well, you know, you're a you're a pretty mature person. Like this is something you're young and you're driven and you read a book called Stumbling Toward Enlightenment in high school. I mean, who does that? Mm-hmm. And you you at some point, I know you see the world in a different way than other people see it and it, there's a heaviness that comes with that. So mm-hmm. talk a little bit, you know, we, we, we here listening could be sitting here and just feel guilty after this episode because there's so much we can do and we don't know how to do it or we're doing it wrong. Um, and yet, I don't know, I just, I want to understand a little bit about how you see the world and then how you're able to function knowing all the problems that are out there in this world. Oh, that, yeah, well, I'll start with a, a stat that, is is a, is a heavy heavy one. Um, you know, scientists predict that by the year 2050, plastics in the ocean will outweigh the fish. Wow! And for and for me, that's insanity. It's crazy. It's hard to conceptualize. And for me, it's you know my one of the my main drivers is, hey, there's this toxic material that from a market quote-unquote economic standpoint is cheap but it's cheap so it's getting out into the environment and in doing so it's getting into our fish it's getting it's ending up in our bodies and it's destroying uh our marine environment and the amount of uh, and as consumers we have no ability to just you know there's no transparency we we don't understand the impact of of one little plastic bottle we buy we don't it's hard to conceptualize that so i think it's it's definitely heavy because i've studied this for a long, a long time and i i also work in the industry i'm the director of uh, sustain or director of strategy for a, 
a packaging company and we're building a sustainable packaging division and I work with brands that are purchasing flexible packaging and I work with the manufacturers that are making those the, that packaging and and you know we talk with the consumers and we talk with the actual material collection people so I've had this unique opportunity to work up and down the value chain to get a better sense of the inner workings of this system and I'm, I do believe there's hope. I think we as a species can change how products are made. We can completely shift industry in the right direction. And it starts with mindfulness, coming back to that Buddhism type uh, language. But it starts with an awareness of materials. And by becoming more aware of materials, understanding their value, understanding their true environmental cost, and we can make better decisions at the point of purchase. Because we're in this beautiful capitalist system, and this capitalist system is a very powerful system that we, we can do good things with it. If we begin to, I know it's cliche, but vote with our dollar, you know, money is a tool. Let's use this tool for good. And, you know, there's a lot of people are now starting to rise up and, and take a stand with, with the political environment that we're in. And they're taking a stand for what they truly care about. And for those of us that care about the environment, care about our futures and the future of our species and this living, living species of all, it's, it's time to get really mindful of materials. We live in a material world. It's time to, to get our understanding of the real environmental impacts of that and the end of life of that material and 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 choose our decisions why you know to when we're purchasing things make make our decisions accordingly that align with our values and that leads me to discussion about zero waste and a lifestyle where you literally don't buy anything in plastic you buy everything in bulk you change your lifestyle just a little bit so that you are if you do make create any waste it's you know it's a, a couple plastic wrappers here and there every other day and there is a way of living there's a whole movement towards it and it helps it's sending signals to the market that consumers do care and consumers want better options and and in in doing so the market responds by providing better things. So this zero waste concept, mm-hmm. um, most people probably don't know what that is. They need to watch your Evoso Live talk because you do you explain it there. But maybe you can define it and or give an example or two of how you could live zero waste. Or is there such a thing as two uh, percent waste or you know like yeah. where what can people do to start to live in a way that creates sustainability for our planet yeah absolutely you know it, it comes back to our discussion about habits and breaking habits and I have friends that have been zero waste for years my my friend Lauren Singer out in New York City and she's literally can put the amount of trash that she created for the last five years in a jar in a ball jar she's she's an incredible human being with willpower that I admire. I am like, I treat zero waste like a diet that I am (laughs) trying not to keep falling off the wagon, honestly. I am not perfect. 
I, but I'm moving in that direction. And so what I do is I, I have my ball jar with me and I have my little, I have a little spork thing and this cute little lady makes straw sleeves, it's called straw sleeves. And I can stick my, my little fork and my little straw in there and I keep it in my purse. So as a lady, you can kind of keep your utensils with you. Wait, what's a ball jar? A ball jar, like, you know, you know, what do you, it's, it's a, it's totally the staple of zero wasteness, but it is, it's the glass jar that you pickle things in and you put the top okay. on, you know, that's well, a, that's a ball jar. But why do you have it with you? Because I use it for my water container or oh, I can, okay. like if I go eat and I want to take something to go, you can turn into your to-go container. You Got can put it. coffee it's... or hot tea. It's I drink out of them all the time. Okay, perfect. <laughs> Got it. Love it. Yeah. So if you if you see someone walking around with a ball jar, like chances are they're going to know what zero waste is. It's for some reason I don't know why, <laughs> but it is like the thing. I guess we're going to put a picture of one of those on the website so you guys can see what we're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> it's back in the day. But so so it's important to not. For, for me, I, I'm not perfect. I go to the, you know, I rush to the airport and I get there and I'm like starving and all there is is like granola bars and they're all wrapped in a non-recyclable thing and I'm like, crap, you know? So every once in a while, I get myself in this situation where I am using things that, that you know, are not zero waste, but I also am on a journey where I look at that package and I say, what is this made out of? Why isn't it recyclable? I start picking things apart in my mind. Why Why would you put that in there? Why would you use that? Because, you know, I have, from the industry, it's like, I know I know how much energy it takes to put these things together. So I, but it's just part of the journey. Ask and you shall receive. So what, who makes things in sustainable packaging? Like, does that mean compostable packaging? Well, it depends on if uh, you're talking about something that's a hard, hard package or a, or a flexible film. Okay. So my company focuses on sustainable packaging for flexible films. Uh, we work with compostable and uh, compostable first, bio-based second, and recyclable third is kind of how we we you know measure the options. Basically, we can and we already have material on the market that performs very well from a packaging standpoint and will protect the products within it. We work with food packaging and we make fully compostable, uh, flexible film materials that print and uh, perform just as well as the conventional counterparts. And you can find the materials on the market today. One of our products is alter eco they make quinoa and rice and they have a fully compostable stand-up pouch available on the market you can find and there's there's people that make coffee bags that are fully compostable and and we're working on that as well so compostable is definitely an option and and like i said you can do a bio-based structure error recyclable structure as well is there like a symbol on products that have compostable packaging so you know when you're making your decision yeah absolutely so for something to be labeled as compostable according to the um, ftc green guidelines so the federal trade commission 
they they're an organization that helps protect consumers from you know greenwashing or or mis mislabeling and misrepresentation so if something says compostable it is supposed to be tested to ASTM 6400 is one of the standards that you can test something to which means it will completely biodegrade in a set period of time and it you know doesn't have it's not toxic and it meets other requirements so if something is labeled compostable normally you'll see that something under compostable it says passes ASTM 6400 and there's even um, a certification body called BPI where they will ensure that the testing was done properly and you you put their logo on there but just because something you don't have to have that BPI logo but that is what brands are using to to help consumers know that they they're doing it right as well as the regulation bodies you know like there's a lot of lawsuits where people put compostable in it as if they don't do it right you can get in a lot of trouble got it and that's good so you know I remember in your talk there was this one slide where I think you showed like an orange that had been peeled and it was in a grocery store on the shelf. It is an orange that had been peeled, but then it was repackaged in plastic. Mm, yes, and that like, was by our lovely Whole Foods, which is hilarious. Gosh, that is crazy. <laughs> it's so bananas. How, how, what is the single most important thing that someone can do to help in you know, your world here? The single most important thing that you can do as a consumer is literally contact the brands that you buy and let them know that you care. Let them know what you're interested in. Brands are often working in a vacuum, making decisions off of market data that has been, you know, aggregated over, you know, a few years at a different part of the country, and they're, they're missing a pulse on what people are really thinking and really caring about. So I guess I, I break it up into two things. One is, you know, get curious about materials. Uh, and two is, is start talking to the, the to brands about what you want. And the reason that's important is to, there's twofold is one, if, as you get con- curious about materials, you'll be able to discern what is good for the planet and what is not. And as you talk to your brands, that sends a ripple through the supply chain. And I've seen it happen. I've seen it unfold in front of my eyes where consumers tell brands that they're interested in sustainability. So the brands turn to their suppliers and say, what do you have for sustainable packaging? What does that even mean? And the, most of the suppliers are going to say, ooh, I don't know. And either they're going to look or that brand is going to find a supplier that is doing the right thing. And then now you're, you're building out the infrastructure structure for for the for the future you're helping put money behind things that, that need to be built out for the survival of our species and the survival of this planet well this planet will be fine but i guess living things on this planet yes and that is, these are big things and so what mm-hmm. do you think is the biggest problem facing our world right now uh i would say ocean acidification <laughs> something that i've been learning a lot more about uh, and what that is, is, you know, we produce a whole lot of CO2 and the ocean is absorbing a third of that. 
and it's changing the pH of the ocean. And it's it's uh, scientists they take ice ice core samples. They take core samples in coral, so they can really uh, measure how the acidity of the ocean has been changing. And they predict that by the year 2100, the acidity in the ocean will increase by 170%. And when that happens, or as that happens, there's these little micro shell creatures, and I forget the name of them right now, unfortunately, but they are um, the bottom of the food chain. They're very important for the, the life of the marine species and they start disintegrating at that acidity wow so if you don't i i it's so funny because i'm like I, I love the environment i study a bunch of stuff all the time i am just recently within the last six months have, have become aware of ocean acidification and and what that means and so yeah, what i what i really suggest is people learn more about something called life cycle assessment as well which is we, we humans have the ability to measure the CO2 produced or water used uh, for any product or process. We literally can, we have algorithms and we can collect data and we can begin to put a number on each product or each material so that we can, as consumers, begin to discern which is better. So getting informed about the CO2 produced or how much CO2 is produced, how you can cut that back out, um, you know, being aware of how much plastic you're using and the end of life potential for that material is a, a big one. And other than that, you know, also the last piece I'll say is, you know, get in touch with what you're called to do. And I know it's, it's hard when you're working your, your, your job and it's like you have a lot of responsibilities and thinking about, you know, what's what's going to happen a hundred years from now, it's it's hard to uh, hold grasp onto that as a as a human. I know that feeling, but it's we, there's a inner calling that we all have, and it, when you sit down and you listen to it more and more, it helps you begin to align your purpose. And we we need everybody to be living their purpose right now. Well, you. You know, you are doing huge things in this world, and we are, we got, this was a good educational and uh, a thought-provoking interview today, and we have definitely run our 5K. So, you may have already hit on this nugget that you want to give our listeners, but I'm going to ask you our final question anyway, because I ask it of everybody, and that is that if you could give our listeners one piece of advice to help them run their worlds in a bigger and better way, what would it be? Mm. So I'll fall back on the um, mastering your internal dialogue and having it work for you. So that's what I'll fall back on. I like, I like it. Master your internal dialogue. Well, I am very excited to see what you do in this world, Raina, and so grateful for the work you're doing and that you're holding it Thank together. You. And yeah. uh I will definitely... Um, Am I? <laughs> you are, somehow, I don't know, the angel of sustainability. We will um, put a link to you and your projects that you're working on so people can follow you and, and maybe even mm-hmm. follow up with some questions they may have. So, Yeah, you can follow, you. follow me on uh, 
Instagram at Recycling is Sexy. We also have a, a Facebook page, and I love I love questions. So if you guys want to ask anything, I'm I totally nerd out in this genre. This I love world, that. So. I love it. Love it, and I love that you are a self-described nerd. It's just yeah. perfect. Perfect. <laughs> we can all embrace our inner nerds. Well, thanks so much for being on You're today, welcome. and uh, let's keep doing great things. Absolutely. Thank you, Nicole. We'll talk soon. Okay. Bye. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Raina is such a special person with a big and heavy mission, and she can't do it alone. To learn more about what she's up to, go to her website, recyclingis.sexy. If you want to make a difference, contact the brands you buy. That's exactly what she said. She said that this truly helps and she's seen it happen. Once they realize that people care, these companies will make decisions that take into account the life cycles of their products. And finally, I love this advice. Get in touch with what you're called to do and then go do it. Okay, folks. On that note of getting in touch with what you're called to do, I want to mention a really cool program Skirt Sports just launched called the Real Women Move Challenge. I highly encourage you to join. It's free. You kind of have to. You go to skirtsports.com. The menu has a community headline. Click on that and you'll see the sign up page for the Real Women Move Challenge. We are more than a clothing company. We provide you the resources to live a happy, healthy life, not just look awesome and feel awesome in the clothing, living a happy, healthy life, but we go deeper than that. So in this challenge, you pick a race goal. We provide you training plans, videos, expert Facebook live guests, discounts. We're even reintroducing a triathlon collection because I decided to do a triathlon. So we're making clothing again with a really cool local partner called uh, BSG Apparel. And, uh, and in the end, we provide you an incredibly strong and supportive community to help you get to, get to where you want to go. It's virtual. You can join from anywhere. If you're local, you actually get a couple extra perks because we do have local meetups and more. Whew. All right, then. You know what time it is. It's time to get out there and run this world. Have a great workout, and we'll see you next week.